Again, happy Father's Day, dads. Uh, so glad you're here. You are more of an example by the life you're living than you realize. And, and let me just say this to all the soon-to-be dads, dads that, that you don't even know you're a dad yet. Let God prepare you now for the awesome privilege that you have of being a father. What you do now plays directly into what you will be. The way you think now is a direct impact, has a direct impact on what you are going to be. It's like a course heading that you have. And, and I'll say that not just to the dads, not just to the dads-to-be, but I just want to say a big thank you to all the men, and, and maybe even sometimes women, who are filling the role of dad. And maybe you didn't expect to do that. But God's got you in a place right now where you have fatherly influence on somebody else. And I just want to congratulate you and say thank you and say what you're doing, God sees. Maybe you're a godparent or you're an aunt or an uncle or grandparent or, or uh, you know, some type of relationship that's not necessarily biological dad, but you're dead. I want you to know that God sees it and God honors it. And you're just as much deserving of a happy Father's Day uh, than anyone else. And when you leave here today, make sure you get one of the gifts. Just say, I'm a dad, okay? Now, I'm giving you permission. If that's you and your mom and you're filling both roles, it's up to you whether you want to do it or not. But you can say, I'm dad, and our ushers will be happy to, to, to extend that to you too. Because you know what? It's, being a father is more than just being a biological dad. Being a father is, poor, is being the example that Christ is to us in portraying that, that fatherly figure to somebody, giving them what they need. And so I just want to say kudos to you uh, if, if that's you today. Guys, we're in a series called I Am Blessed. Have you been enjoying the series so far? I have, and I just want you to know that when we say we're blessed, it has so much more to do, uh, so much more than just what's happening around us. Would you agree to that? And that's, that's what we've been saying. Jesus began, arguably, his most important sermon talking about attributes of blessed people. And it became to be known the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Um, the problem we have as human beings is the attributes that he talked about when it came to being blessed, we don't necessarily consider blessings. In fact, the things that he says that uh, you're, if this is you, you're blessed, we would consider to be something else, not blessings. In fact, the first two, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And the second one, he said, blessed are those who are in a season of mourning. And we all say collectively, no, thank you. We don't want that. We, we consider blessings to be kind of moved past those seasons. But Jesus says something different. And as we go through this series, we're going to go through all eight of these attributes that he talked about. The bottom line of the series is this. If you didn't catch it so far, catch it now. This is the quote. I am blessed despite what my circumstances look like. I am blessed despite what my circumstances may look like. Because what Jesus is really saying is, is, you know, you don't have to wait for things to be going well in order for you to call yourself blessed. This, this kind of blessed that Jesus is talking about is untouchable. And the only example I can think about, or, or one of the examples I can think of, uh, is a fireproof safe. Have you, anyone ever seen one of those? Does anybody know what it is? It, you put valuable documents, valuable things inside this fireproof safe, and then when a flood or a fire happens, the, you know, the, the outside of it gets battered, but the inside contents remain the same. They remain unaffected. Uh, there have been whole houses that have burned down, and this fire safe, it gets charred on the outside, uh, but on the inside, the contents were as good as new. 
And this is the kind of blessed that Jesus is talking about. It's a place that reaches the deepest parts of our lives where circumstances don't affect it. You're not blessed because of what's happening around you, but you're blessed because of what kind of spirit is inside of you. And that's the spirit of God. He's more interested in what's happening in you than making you comfortable on the outside. And so what we're really grasping as we, as we read through this is these aren't just attributes that blessed people have, but these are attributes that Christ took on himself. And so really what we're saying is the more I become like Christ, the more blessed I become. And so today, we're going to take a look at verse 5. This is our verse for today. Uh, this is the next thing that Jesus says in the, in the sequence. And this is what he says. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, he says, they will inherit the earth. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. But he's talking about a time that's coming. Jesus says that the meek are blessed now. Now, how many of you used the word meek last week? No, not many of us. Probably not any of us at all. Uh, in fact, we don't use that word in our society much. Um, when you saw a post on Facebook that descri said, describe me or describe yourself in three words, uh, meek probably didn't hit the top three, did it? <laughs> we, not because we're not meek, but we don't use that word. And so we got to really kind of figure out what that is. Um, in fact, probably the only time we even use the word meek is when we sing Silent Night at Christmas time, describing baby Jesus. He was meek and mild. That's, that's the lyrics. We may not use the word very much, but when we hear it, we kind of associate it with being humble and weak and kind of lowly. We think of humility and meekness not as virtues, but we think of those things as deficiencies in our life. We, but yet Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Meek are, are blessed people, for they will inherit the earth. We need to know there's a big difference between weakness and meekness. Let's say somebody hits you in the face, and you don't hit them back. And the reason why you don't hit them back is because you're a weak person, and you're afraid of them. Now, there's a big difference between that and somebody, let's say, who's trained in mixed martial arts. Let's say that's you, and let's say you're quite the street fighter, and somebody hits you in the face, and you don't hit them back. You're a meek person. That's the difference between weakness and, and, and meekness. Meekness is this. It's strength under control. It's strength under control. When somebody jumps on the back of a stallion and rides him at full speed and then pulls back on the reins and the horse stops, the horse is being meek. Uh, it's submitting itself to the will of the rider. The horse has strength to go on. It could keep going, but it's choosing to submit. When I'm being meek, it doesn't mean that I'm being a weak person. It means that I'm submitting myself to God and I'm allowing him to channel my strength in a way that honors him. You with me? Jesus is saying if you want real happiness, if you want to count yourself as blessed, then be meek. Submit the areas of your life that you could demonstrate strength, that you could demonstrate authority, and let God have control of it. Without meekness in your life, you're like a cup power line that's flopping all over the, the highway. Is there power in that and strength? Yeah. Is it dangerous and capable of hurting others and unstable? Also, yes. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength. It's not about whether I have power or not. It's about how I allow that power to be channeled. Will I submit it to God? And will I let God channel my power and channel my strength, my authority, my ability to choose in such a way that honors Him? 
Throughout the Bible, we see, we see meekness. Just a couple of examples here. Uh, Joseph in the Old Testament was a young man. He was sold by his brothers into slavery, into a, a slave trade caravan. They hated him so bad, they sold him off as a slave. Now, your siblings have probably done some bad things to you over the years. I don't know if they ever sold you off as a slave, but this is what Joseph went through. And for 22 years, he goes through all these seasons of difficult times. And what the brothers nor Joseph realized at the time was that it was creating a path for him to eventually be second in command of all of Egypt, one of the, the greatest empires at the time. Uh, now, that's crazy. Go read the story. It's pretty incredible, but it happens. And so after 22 years, there's this drought that comes over the whole region. Egypt was the only place that has food. And so Joseph's brothers travel all the way to Egypt to buy food. And little do they know, guess who they're getting ready to have to talk to? The second in command of Egypt, who also happens to be their brother. And they have no idea. And by the time he reveals himself, he could have said some things to them. He could have said, you want to know what the inside of, a, of an Egyptian prison looks like? Because I had to look at that. You know, we, we could go that route, but he didn't. He shows meekness, strength under control. Uh, about 400 or so years later, Moses is leading these same people out of slavery, out of, of Egypt. Um, and the Bible says in Numbers that he was the meekest man on earth. Now, it's interesting because 40 years prior to this, Moses is not meek at all. Moses killed, murdered, beat to death an Egyptian man out of anger because he was, he was chastising and, and mistreating one of the Jews. And so he flees and spends the next 40 years tending sheep. I don't know what it is about tending sheep, but evidently it produces meekness because he, he came back and he begins, to, he, he begins to lead these people, be used by God in such a way. Miracles begin to be shown through him. Why? Well, one of those reasons is because he learned what it is to be meek. There's so many more examples throughout the scriptures. You can look at David. You can look at uh, Peter, Stephen in the book of Acts. These are, are meek people. All of these are examples of how they submitted their strength before God and said, God, I want you to use my authority, my strength, my power in such a way that honors you. And they did awesome things for God. So, and we see meekness in people today. In today's world, uh, the Revolutionary War, I know it was a while back. Um, how many of you remember that? How many were there? <laughs> Just, you know. During the Revolutionary War, there is an actual story about uh, um, a man who is commanding his troops to build back up a defense wall. And as they're building the wall, um, the, the officer is just shouting to them commands kind of sitting there on his horse. And while he's doing that, he noticed there was another man in civilian clothes that rode up on his horse. And he goes up to the man shouting the orders, and he says, why aren't you helping the men? And the man was offended, and he said, I'm a corporal. And he, the man in civilian clothes just said, okay, I'm sorry. He goes over, and he starts helping the men himself. And he helps them for about an hour or so. And when they were done, he walks over to the corporal, and he says, listen, th the next time that you have a task to do, and you don't have enough men to complete it, I want you to come to me, your commander-in-chief, George Washington, and I will help you get it done. Strength under control. Meekness. There are many opportunities that you have within a given week to submit your ability and your strength to God and let Him channel it in a way that honors Him and leads you to being blessed. I, th I think sometimes our strength, our ability, our, our authority, we can use it as a weapon. Let me, let me say that a different way. We can use that as a way to feed our own egos. And what God is saying is that's always destructive. 
I think about Jesus whenever he was in the room with the disciples just before he went to the cross. And he looked around and he was the most powerful person in the room. And moments later, you see Jesus washing the disciples' feet. One of the most humble acts of service anybody could do during that time. What do you do when you look around and you're the most powerful person in the room? Do you exercise that authority or do you submit it to God and let him channel it in such a way that honors him? Let me ask you a question. Is a lack of meekness in your life keeping you from being blessed? I want to talk about about three elements of meekness, three things that happen. This isn't an exhaustive list, uh, nor am I claiming that being blessed is only tied up in these three things. But when you're meek, there are some things that have happened or start to happen, and I want to name three. You ready? The first one is this. You're more like Jesus. That's kind of simple, but it's the truth. Um, Now, I want you to understand being meek doesn't make you like Jesus. When you're striving to become like Jesus, the byproduct is that you're meek. Do you understand the difference there? I don't strive to be meek. I strive to become like Christ. And as I strive to become like Christ, being meek is a byproduct. And Jesus said, when you're meek, you're blessed. Jesus was meek. Jesus was the epitome of strength under control. Now, I just want you to, to get this in context in our minds here. He is God Almighty in heaven and becomes a man in the flesh. He comes down from heaven. And then we find him in Luke twenty two twenty seven 27, saying things like this. He says, Who, who's greater? He's asking the question. Is the person that sits at the table greater or is the person that serves greater? And then he answers the question. It's the one that sits at the table, isn't it? He says, but I'm among you as one who serves. I just, that's crazy to me because when you read the things that Jesus endured, when you read in the, in the Gospels, not only the cross that he endured, but the people that he endured, <laughs> the conversations that he had to have. And you might say, serve? Why didn't he zap them? You know, why didn't he get them? Why didn't he do something? He didn't have to endure that. And then just before the cross, Peter pulls out his knife when they're trying to arrest Jesus and cuts off the ear of the servant of, the, of, of the, one of the guys in the temple, the high priest, and, and it's crazy. And Jesus looks at him and he says, you know what? I could call thousands of angels if I wanted to and come rescue me from this. Put your sword away. Strength under control. And in Matthew 11, Jesus says this, verse 28 through 30. He's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. That's the same word that he used to say meek in Matthew chapter 5. He's saying, come to me because I'm meek, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know the thing about Jesus that is probably more interesting than any other thing? Is that he accomplished God's perfect will for his life, and it ended up saving us. And if he was meek, and that's how he accomplished it, then I think being like Jesus is worth it. And I think about the things in your life, the, the God's will in your life, things that God wants you to accomplish. Are you not hitting all the marks because you're failing to be like Christ in this area? And I'll just say this, and then I'll move on to the next point. When the God of the universe loves you so much that he becomes nothing in order to save you, and that becomes a personal thing to you, it's the greatest honor under heaven to be invited to be like him. Being meek doesn't make you more like Jesus, but... Being more like Jesus makes you meek. And Jesus said, when you're meek, you're blessed. 
Something else happens when you're meek, and that's this. Your relationships grow. Did you know that all healthy relationships display meekness? They do. I could tell you what I think, but the words I want to use aren't in the Bible. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? Some of you had that conversation on the way to church this morning, didn't you? I am submitting my emotions to God because he has something better for us than that. Meekness, strength under control. I could buy that new golf club and not tell my spouse about it, but our financial goals are better whenever we accomplish them together. So I am relinquishing my ability to choose here, and I'm submitting myself to God. Meekness, strength under control. I could put my foot down right here, but all I'd be doing is using my authority as a weapon. So right now, I'm choosing to listen to God's voice, telling me to try to understand the other side of this. Meekness shows up in relationships when people submit their strength and their rights and their authority to God, and he channels it in a way that builds other people up first. Paul told the Philippian church in Philippians 2, 5, and 7, he says, In your relationships with each other, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus didn't just make himself low. He had all the power and might and strength there that he had when he was in heaven. The difference is, is he submitted to Christ and accomplished God's will for his life. He's saying he, has, or he was God. He has the power and the authority of God, but he submitted it to, to, to God. And guess what happened after that? Our relationship with God was reconciled. A relationship grew. Paul is saying we should have that same mindset with each other. When meekness defines you and you go into your marriage relationship or your parent relationship or friend relationship, whatever it is, when you have meekness, there is, there is a relational buy-in that's created. And, and here's, here's what that is. It's an emotional agreement where the other person looks at you and they can say, I believe that you're for me. And it makes a relationship grow. Now, here's what you need to know. You're not born with meekness. You, you don't have this naturally. You're not born with it. Your children are not naturally meek. And you realize this the first night you bring them home and they spend the night with you <laughs> as, as a baby. Uh, there's strength, but there is absolutely no control. Somebody say amen. We're not born with meekness. You know what we're born with? We're born with selfishness. That's what we're born with. Uh, we're born with the attitude that says, give me what I want now and I'll use every bit of my strength to make sure that it happens. Uh, That's not really a great attitude to have when you're trying to make a relationship grow, is it? Somebody shake your head no. But that's what what we get when we're born. We we get selfishness. But meekness makes relationships grow. And so we have to discipline ourselves to be meek because we don't get it naturally. Uh, It's sad when parents don't teach their kids very early how to share. It's sad when parents don't teach their kids very early how to not talk back. Because we all know one of the first kids, one of their first words is what? No. (laughs) Strength, no control. It's sad when those kids take that same attitude and parents don't check it and they become uh, older kids and then eventually teenagers and then they become adults and they're basically throwing the same temper tantrums they did as kids just through an adult version. And they're not being meek. They're not learning what it is to be meek. In fact, what they're using is manipulation. 
Because we're born with a self-centered attitude. We're born with feed me. We're born with give me my way, feed my own validation. I, I need for me, me, me. And so what we end up doing is if we don't discipline ourselves to be meek, then we walk through life manipulating other people to try and feed ourselves. Now, that sounds blunt, but that's the two, that's the two things that we do. It's either one or the other. Um, and it's interesting that you know, we, we wouldn't say we're, you know, I don't manipulate people, but that's really what we're doing. Because if we're after self, then that's what we're subconsciously, consciously doing. We're trying to get somebody else to satisfy our own needs. I heard a guy uh, recently, he, he used to do contracts all over Asia, and he was talking about some of the Asian executives and how they were geniuses at using the manipulative power of silence to negotiate deals when they walked into meetings. And they would put their, their deal on the table, and then they would just sit back and absolutely say nothing. And he said, it was genius. He walked in these, these rooms and it, just, it, it was incredible how they would do this. And so he comes home and he's telling one of his friends about it. And his friend gets this great idea and he's like, you know what? I'm going to call the cable company and try to do the same thing. And so he said, I'm sick and tired of my bill being so high. I don't even watch TV that much. I just watch football. That's really all I watch is, is football. And so my cable bill keeps going up. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to call and fake like I'm going to quit. But I'm really not because I need to watch uh, my, my team because that's God's will for my life. And so he says, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call and do this. And so he calls the cable company and, and he says, I'm going to cancel my service. And the guy on the other end goes, okay. And so he sits there quiet and doesn't say a word. And he begins to realize that the guy on the other end knows the same technique because he's not saying anything either. And he says, he walks around his room for like what seems like an hour. And finally he says, are you still there? And the guy went, yep. <laughs> and he says, the, that guy was a better manipulator than I was. He says, manipulation only works if you're not manipulating another manipulator. <laughs> and the problem is, is that we're all manipulators. <laughs> we're born as manipulators. It takes an intentional effort to submit yourself to God. It takes an intentional effort to be meek, and the fruit of that is your relationships will grow. Your relationships will never grow because your needs are being met. But a relationship will grow when there's two people that are determined to be meek and satisfy the needs of each other. And because you're not going to do that naturally, because you're not born with it, meekness is a necessity. Submitting your own strength, submitting your own authority, your own power to choose to God and letting God channel that in such a way that honors him. Paul loved this idea of meekness in the Bible. We can read his writings throughout the New Testament. But he, he would make statements like this. I, I'm the least of all the apostles. Or he, he would say in another part, you know, when, when I'm at my weakest, that's when Christ's strength rests in me. That's when I'm my strongest. He's the same author of that verse that we just read. That He said, you know, I'm, I'm going to have the same mindset as, as Jesus who made himself nothing for you and I. Did you know that when, when you make yourself something, you push people away? But when you make yourself nothing and you lead with meekness, you create loyalty. And the people in your relationships will lean into you. And the result is a framework where your relationships can grow. Maybe that's what you're missing in your relationship. Meekness. Because if you're constantly thinking it's their fault, Maybe there's a measure of meekness you can grow into. Draw near to the Lord. Become Christ-like and watch what he does in your heart. Another thing that happens is you submit your strength and your ability and your authority to God and you become meek. 
is you're more capable of hearing God's voice. It's difficult to hear God speak when you're focused on yourself. Jesus, often after he would get done teaching, he would, he would teach a spell and then he would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I think we all kind of resonate with that because we all want to hear what God has to say for us, wouldn't you? Would you say, I'm a person that wants to hear what God has to say in my life? And imagine Jesus teaching us today, and you'd probably say the same thing he said back then. Hey, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he wasn't saying, you know, if you have ears on the side of your head, because everybody obviously heard him. What he was saying is, you know, everyone's not going to be able to understand when I speak. It's not going to resonate with everybody. And it's not because they can't physically hear but what he was saying is some of us are still reserving for ourselves the right to decide whether or not this is applicable to me or not. Have you ever tried to tell somebody something and it just, it wouldn't land because they weren't really hearing you? And you said it till you said it till you said it till you're blue in the face and it just would not land? Essentially what Jesus is saying here is, you know what? Everyone has ears, most people do, but there's not many people that actually hear. And I feel like more and more people in today's society, they, they want to hear what God has to say to them. They want to hear his voice. They want to know that their lives mean something. And as far as Christians go, I think every one of us in the room, those listening that are, are Christians today, we want to know that we're in the will of God. But being in the will of God, it, it's, it's essential that we hear his voice. Because if you don't hear the voice of God, it's impossible to stay in his will. His direction is only followed by somebody that hears his voice. Can I go a little deeper? What goes hand in hand with God's voice? It's his word. His word. If you want God's direction in your life, if you want to hear his voice in your life, then meekness is a must. A submitting yourself, a lowering yourself, a, a giving over of your own, your own desire to choose, your own strength, your own authority that you have. Become meek and be submissive to his word. And here's why. Because the voice of God will always point to his word. I think we, we've learned somehow in our secular world to separate, the, uh, separate God's word and God's voice. And they're, they're inseparable. You can't do it. Let me just make that connection if you didn't catch it. The voice of God will never contradict the word of God. And the word of God will always back up his voice. You can't say you heard God's voice if it doesn't line up with his word. Can I just, can I just tell you for a minute? Because uh, I hear of people that, you know, they, they get excited about something and they want to hear the voice of God. And, and they come and they say, you know, I hear, heard God tell me to do something. Um, but really what happened is, is they were maybe just a little bit emotional about it. They were really kind of emotional, and, and they wanted to justify something they were doing in their life. Sometimes we do this, and, and we don't even mean to. I don't think we're malicious sometimes when we do it, but we don't go back to God's Word to back it up. And I think sometimes we get good feelings about things because maybe it's right in principle, or maybe it's, it's a good feeling, and we think it's the right thing to do. But the Scriptures tell us, you know, there's a, right, a way that seems right. But if we don't line it up with God's word, that path will lead to death. In other words, it seems right in the beginning. So what's your filter? What's, what's going to keep you understanding that God's voice is God's voice? That is being meek and submitting to God's word. And I think we live in a day and age where we are accessible to more of the Bible than we ever have been before. 
but we live in a day and age where we're the least submissive to, the, to his word. <clears throat> and I, l- let me just say something that might challenge you today. God's word was never meant to make you feel like you're getting the best deal all the time. God's word was meant to change you. Does God need changing? No. Do you need changing? Do I? Yes. Because if we're not dead, God's not done with us. And there's always places for us to grow. Meekness means I've, I've taken my own strength, my own ability to choose, and I've submitted it to God in his word. And when I do that, I become more capable of hearing his voice, thus being able to stay in the perfect will of God for my life. So if you want to be in God's will, if you want to understand what he has for you, that the, the, a path is straight and he can lead you in it, then you've got to hear his voice. And if his voice is going to mean anything to you, then you have to have the meekness to submit to his word. Do you want to hear God's voice? Do you want to submit to his word? Paul gives us the key how to do that in Romans 12 too. It's a well-known verse. He says, don't be conformed to this world. In other words, don't do things like the world does it. But be transformed. That word transformed, if, if, you, if you know some of the New Testament, it's the exact word that was used in the Greek to, def, to, to define Jesus when he was transfigured. Remember the mountain of transfiguration? You hear that? It, it was, there was a change that happened. And he's saying, this is what can happen in your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Listen, that by testing, say testing. There's a filter that you put things through. You can discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What's your filter? Well, it's your mind that's submissive to God's word. When, when your thoughts run and you're maybe high on emotion or maybe your thoughts, are, they're good thoughts, what, what is your filter? What is your test to be able to discern this is God's will for my life? Because if you rely on your emotions, I promise you, you eat a bad pizza, your emotions will change. <laughs> that, well, one thing I, I learned long ago is that I don't trust myself to make decisions when it comes to God's will myself. I have to have a filter. And especially when, when I'm emotional, whether it's really high emotions or really low emotions or, or, or if things are going really good or really bad and I'm, I'm feeling really good or feeling really bad, I don't do anything until I've tested it, until I've submitted myself and become meek and said, I'm going to take my own authority and willingness and ability to choose and I'm submitting it to God in his word. Then I'll be able to discern what the will of God is because his voice will never contradict his word. When you become meek, you become more capable of hearing the voice of God. And when you begin to hear the voice of God and submit to his word, knowing that his word will never, will never, uh, will never say something different than his voice said, then you become capable of walking in his will for your life. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is strength under control. It's a byproduct of becoming more like, more like Christ. It makes our relationships grow and it makes us more capable of hearing God's voice. This is what I want to do as, as we close today. I, I want us to, I want to pray for us all because I think we all struggle with this. Here's why. Because we have something called humanity inside of us. And so we all, we all struggle with this in some capacity. Some of you are knocking it out of the park. You got room to grow. Others of you are kind of middle of the way. And, and others of you are, are out in the left field. And you know what? Every one of us are welcome here because this is a non-judgmental zone. 
this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a self-inventory of this. What areas of your life do you know this week that you could, you could practice meekness in your life? Not lowly and humble and be a doormat. Submit your strength to God. And say, God, I, I, I want to be like Christ. You had all the strength there was to have, but he submitted it to you. And because he did that, you accomplished your perfect will in his life. I want your will in my life, in my relationships. I want your will in me. And, and, and I, I'm going to submit my strength to you. And you show me what you want me to do. And this is what I want to do as we close. I want to pray for everybody, but I want to pray for the fathers in the room. I believe with my whole heart that there, there is an anointing on fathers. The Bible talks about spiritual leadership, and he talks about that things come from the head, and what happens at the head flows down into the rest of the body. It, it's that way with the church. It's that way with the family. And let me tell you something. Your family comes first after God. And I just want to ask, fathers, where are you, where, where are you getting your ability to lead your family? Because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes we, we try to use our own power and our own authority to lead, and that works for a while. But if you're a human being, that means you run out of resources. You run out of ability, and at a certain point, you'll fail. Where, where are you getting your power? Where are you getting your strength to lead your family? And I just want to challenge dads in the room today. Maybe challenge is too strong of a word. I want to encourage you to submit yourself to Christ and lead your families in such a way that honors Him having God's will in your life. And when that happens, oh, what kind of influence do you become for everybody following you? So let me do this. I don't want to embarrass anybody in the room today, but I want everyone to stand up. And I want dads in the room to raise their hands. I'm not asking you to come up here or anything like that. I just want, if you're a dad in the room, would you raise your hand? And all around you, you see people raising their hands. Okay? And this is what I want you to do. I want you to reach out and, and touch one, just on the shoulder. If you're a, a wife in the room today, that's you. Just, just reach out and, and, and grab your man. If, or if somebody's in the room today and, and you see them and they, they don't have anyone touching them, would you just go pray with them? You don't have to say anything out loud. I'm going to lead the prayer. But if there's somebody raising their hand right now and, and no one's with them, would, would you mind just stepping out and being bold somebody and, and go pray with somebody? Would you do that? Just look around. Come on, guys. We're a family in here today. I'm going to pray for myself. I'm not going to ask anyone to walk on stage. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your, your authority in our lives and the word that you gave us. Lord, I thank you for that word, and I thank you for the fact that it doesn't change. So many things change in our lives. We have so much information, yet we're still searching for truth. And Lord, that truth is found in your word, and I'm grateful for it. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for every father in the room. I pray that you would just grant them the, the stability of mind to say that my strength is safe with you, God. That it doesn't mean I'm, I'm weak to submit. It actually means I'm strong. It actually means that my strength is going to be channeled in such a way that has laser focus that's going to give me the ability to be a man where my relationships grow, to be the example that I need to be, to position me to be more like Christ and position me to hear the voice of God more clearly. I submit myself to his word, and I submit myself to you. Lord, for everybody else in the room today, those listening online, God, we, we, are, we are human, <laughs> and we need you. 
there are areas in each of our lives that we need to practice meekness this week. And I, your word says we're blessed when we do. I pray that we wouldn't chase after other things that we think are going to bless us to give us some type of good name or give us some type of good situation, but that we would understand your word, Holy Spirit, bring it to life, and that you would challenge us to, to move forward and submit ourselves to you in every argument, in every tough situation, in every joy, every decision we make, we give you the authority to do that. We submit. Lord, I, I pray for the people in the room that are trying to listen for your voice, that are praying for situational things that they have coming up, decisions that they have to make, and they're seeking you, and they're wanting to know your voice. And, and, and Lord, maybe, maybe we've gotten too good at listening to opinions. Opinions are good, but Father, I pray we would always go back to your word and divide it with your word to be able to test and approve what your perfect will is in our lives. So those making decisions, I, I pray that right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, your word become the prominent resource that they use. Not just to have it as an aid to them, but that they'll submit themselves to it. And you, doing only what you can do, bring life to them. Because your word is alive and it goes out, it says, and produces fruit all over the world in us. I'm grateful for that word. Is there somebody in the room or listening online maybe that needs Christ in their life in a way because maybe they haven't accepted him. They don't have a relationship with Jesus and maybe you'd like to start that today. Maybe meekness for you in this moment means I lower myself down to accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. If that's you in the room, would, would you just be bold? I'm, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you because I believe God's been speaking to you up until this moment right here. And if you've got that pull in your heart when I just said that, that's not me. I don't have the ability to speak to a heart. That's God your Father speaking to you right now. Would you be bold and pray this prayer with me? Mean it in your heart. God will hear you. I need you, God. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for me, to be a sacrifice for me that I couldn't pay myself because I have sin in my life. I'm not perfect. The best I have is humanness in me. I, I, I'm not perfect. But I believe that you came and you died for me, that you really rose from the grave and that you're alive today. I want you to lead me. I want you to be my Lord, not just my Savior and save me from, from, from destruction, but I want you to be my Lord. I give you the authority. I, I want to be meek right now and, be, and, and slower myself and submit to you. I'm not perfect, but today I'm starting fresh. Help me to do exactly what I need to do in you. I know you're going to help me. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Can we say amen together? Amen. Can we just give it up for everybody who prayed that prayer right now? Come on, let's not let that get old. Can we just give it up for everybody who said yes to Jesus Christ? This is, this is what I know. We're all going through this thing called earth together, this thing called life together. But I know this, this life is going to end. And when somebody says yes to Jesus now, and they change their eternity because of what Jesus just did in them, that's worth celebrating. And if you made that decision today, look at me just a second. Take that Connect card and fill it out. It's in, right there in front of you. I talked about it earlier. There's a place on there that says, I prayed to receive Christ. We want to follow up with you because we would be doing you an injustice and not doing our job as the church to ask you to make that decision today and then just let you walk out and never say another thing to you. We don't, we don't just want to be a good church service. We want to be the church. So would you be bold and take that next step? Don't let your starting line today be your finish line. But let us come around you. We, we'll give you some potential next steps. We're not going to harass you, but we do want to pray with you. 
and uh, that connect card for everybody else. Be sure to fill it out. If you have a prayer request, let us know what it is. We'll be praying for you this week. Guys, I love you so much. Happy Father's Day to the dads in the room. Enjoy your gift on the way out and enjoy the rest of your week. I'll see you next time.